All right, the music wasn't too loud for you guys, was it? It gets a little louder when it comes on, doesn't it? No, that sounded good. <laughs> yeah, it sounded good. Right. Sounded good. All right, all right. So uh, JD here, seven hundred one Nation. Got my guest tonight, John Arman from Team UOA and Wayne Muth, outdoor writer. Wayne, you write for uh, Dakota Country, right, and Bow Hunter Magazine. Yeah. Yeah, I've had some recent articles in both of those magazines, as well as uh, various other ones over the last or for the, over the many years. You know, even Bear Hunt, uh, Bear Hunter Magazine, Eastman's, um, you know, several others across this national wide and as well as uh, local. So it's awesome. been good. Yeah, you, you got some good articles there. Wayne's got some real good articles about uh, deer antlers for sure. I've been reading those. It's pretty awesome. John, how's the show been going, buddy? Uh, no complaints. Just kind of plucking away and things have changed over the last couple of years, just as we've gotten older and uh, Kurt has kind of, kind of bowed out from the show. He spends more time up at the lake fishing with his family, which is good. Mm -hmm. And yep. Jason's kind of running uh, left and right, but he still joins me on some hunts. My daughter moved away, but I'm still, we've got some other guys helping out and I'm still plugging away at it. Yeah. I heard Shelby was on Scott's show Saturday. It was a pretty good show. Actually. I, th I thought yeah. that was pretty good. I listened to that on the way I was heading to the farm listening to it. So, but yeah, tonight we're going to hit on Wayne talked to me here about a little over a month ago, probably Wayne, Wayne talking. Uh, we want to bring up some things. Mm -hmm. We said three things. We're going to go over three things. Each of us learned over the years about hunting, but um, whether we get to all three of them from each of us or not, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. So, uh, I'll get to the chats here in a second, guys. I see everybody's starting to t chime in here. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Good evening to all of you. But, uh, Wayne, since you uh, you got a hold of me, we talked about this. Why don't you you want to go ahead and lead off with your with your first one here? Sure. You know, I, I kind of started this probably several years ago. I just started listing uh, what I've learned. And some of the things are pretty not, you know, not politically correct, if you think about it. I mean, perfect. There's things that I believe that, you know, I can make a comment about mechanical broadheads versus fixed-made broadheads or or people should stop hunting mule deer and just hunt whitetails <laughs> and leave the mule deer to me. Yeah. I mean, that would be some of the things I, I wish they would that. do. But, yeah. But, uh, you know, so I kind of came up with some things. But you do, you really learn things over the years. So I just kind of came up with some ideas and said, you know, it'd be good to have some guys together talk about it. And you know, the other others can call you out and say, you know, Wayne, you're, you're full of crap on this. I don't believe that. I, I this is what I think, but, uh, just kind of the started off. It's kind of like, you know, I really think that to be consistent to taking good quality bucks, you've got to hunt where the bucks are. And, uh, and that it's kind of a, a no brainer you'd think, but I kind of truncate that a little bit and say, okay, you have to hunt where those deer are during a particular time or year year. So there's only about 10 to 15% of country that you're going to find whole deer. So those bucks are going to frequent the same spots during the same time of year. So it can be very consistent in most terrains. And, and you're going to find the same, the bucks in the same places in early September. Uh, you won't find them in those places in November. So the advantage of hunting on the same areas on a regular basis, and I'll bet you John can attest to this, is that he will find that in his property, he's going to see those bucks in certain spots during certain times of the year. So that's really a good way to pattern them. And, and you're going to find those pockets where they're going to be. And then the best day to find the best time of day to find those bucks are like a half hour before sunrise, half hour after sunset. 
And, you know, that again, of course, is a no brainer, but you have to be in your spots, ready to hunt, ready to go at those times. So, so those are some of the things I've learned. And, and, you know, you, you, you know, you can get into a whole bunch of details of how you want to spot, spot these, if you're going up on a high point and looking at that, or if you're going to go down and uh, uh, start stalking them right away, are you going to wait for them to bed or whatever you're going to do? But, you know, got to hunt where the deer are. And uh, that would be my first thing that I've learned. And it's because when we first started hunting, you really didn't hunt sometimes where the deer are. You just wanted to be out there right. in the field. And, uh, um, you know, it's kind of like the five stages of hunting. We could talk about those too. That you want to get out there and just, just see deer, just have exposure to them. But then you come back to those areas and there's no deer there. And you think, what are you doing wrong? So, so do you I mean, think, uh, do you that would be my first part. Yeah. So do you do you think you see more deer in the morning or the evenings, Wayne? And does it matter if the species, or does this just it doesn't really matter? You think, or what? In your opinion, what? You know, I I'm a I'm a morning hunter. I would rather hunt mornings. I just think it's me too. I, I love mornings. I, you know, it's you have that opportunity if you, especially like early season, you have to think about um, there's for quality. And I always talk about quality mature bucks. Uh, when you hunt the Badlands, for example, or you hunt mule deer, there are certain times of year that uh, they're very vulnerable. So being out there early in the mornings and uh, those first 15 days of the opening of the bow season, it's very vulnerable for the quality deer. So once you get out there and you start hunting those, uh, you're going to be able to, if you're there early in the morning, you find those bucks, you can follow them, you can watch where they bed. You can now know where they're at in the evening when they're coming back out. If you're just an evening hunter, then darkness sets in pretty fast. Uh, you know, in that last half hour, you got to be right on top of them if you're going to be able to shoot them, yeah, or you got to come back the next day. So, I've always, yeah, I've always found, um, seems the morning hunt's more successful where I'm at. Not that we don't see them in the evening or, or, or get them in the evening because we do, but um, that's the way it is up on our place there. And, John, John what's it like down at your place? Well, you know, the one thing Wayne was saying is that well, a couple things, you know hunting where the bucks are at you can't kill them if they're not there mm -hmm. you know and that's you know when people say you kill 180 inch deer no if i had 180 inch deer in my place i would say that i'm gonna kill it <laughs> but i don't have yeah. it there, so i'm not gonna kill it and it's the same with no matter what size deer you got to be in that area where they're gonna be at that time of year and as far as the morning versus evening the great thing about morning is you got 10 hours to kill them in the evening, you got three hours, and sometimes if they come out right at last light, you always run out of um, daylight. And the yeah. morning is nice that you have more time. And for us, bow hunting-wise, we kill 99.9% .9 of our deer at night or in the evening because we only hunt evenings with our bows. Mm -hmm. Just the way our place mm -hmm. is set up for bow hunting, you can't really get in in the mornings. Sometimes late, late season you can because they're coming in later when it's colder. But uh, for the most part, we're only killing them in the evenings. And with rifle, though, it's totally different. We love getting on those vantage points and you sit on those hills all day long and you see a lot of activity. Those mornings are magical. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. You know, one thing I like about morning hunts, too, is, um, you know, I like to gut my deer in the daylight instead of at dark <laughs> if you got to track one. So. Yeah. Yeah. Another point on that, guys, and I don't know if you found this, John, but full moon versus a, a new moon. On a full moon, it is better to hunt. And this is what I found. This is during the rut now. I'm going to, you know, truncate this to the rut. So when the rut is on and you have a full moon out, what I have found is that 
you will find less activity uh, in the early morning for bucks. And they, because they have a tendency to slow down and rest right at dawn. And then let's say two o'clock in the afternoon, they start picking up for that rutting activity again. So on a full moon, the later in the afternoon is usually better. And that whereas a new moon, they're usually um, breeding more during that early morning hours and into the, into the daytime, into the noontime area. Then they rest in the afternoon and they, they breed more at night during that time. So, I mean, it's uh, new moons. I hunt more in the mornings and you find more deer in the mornings. Full moons, it's more in the afternoons. So that's good info. I should, yeah, I actually never did that before. I should, uh, I don't have to try that actually. I think, you know, when I was a kid, when I first moved out here, uh, South America college, the CRP and cover was amazing. And the amount of deer coming up from the river bottoms, it was insane. And I would keep a diary every day. And I always said, I wasn't scientific enough to figure it completely out because I sometimes don't think past my nose. But <laughs> There's always those two or three days a month that are absolutely insane with movement and magical. And I was listening to a podcast and I can't, I don't know if it was big and Jay, but they had that, uh, what's his name on there. He kills 200 inch deer, Adam Hayes or one of those guys, but 200 inch deer, like consistently. And he goes by that moon phase. And I, I bought the app for a little bit and it was funny that it doesn't always work. But I would say the majority of the time when he said the deer, because of the moon phase, what Wayne is saying, we're going to be out on our feet in the morning versus the evening, I'd get my trail cameras, bing, 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 bing. And, of course, I'm sitting at home because I can't hunt and um, <laughs> it's during the week. But I would say that moon phase is huge. If, if I had a chance to set up a hunt, I would set it up around the moon phase if I only had a certain amount of time and I had to take it off much rather hunt certain phases of the moon. And uh, like I said, I think it could be instrumental in, in killing your deer. Well, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to definitely give it a go in both seasons here. Cause I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to put in for a rifle tag this year. Cause I know a lot of people who hunt in our land, our family and friends, they're going to get drawn this year. And, and it's just, even if I would get drawn, I just think there's too many people rifle hunting out there. So I'm going to hey, go with the bow. Executive decision, man. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> right? I know some of my buddies are like, really? Yeah. Sorry, Healy. I got drawn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Healy's going to be one who's probably going to get drawn. But Healy holds yeah. a – he has a record for the for the biggest mule deer buck on our property points. I it, it was almost <laughs> beat this year, but uh, my buddy didn't get quite the shot. And – uh a big one got away. I don't know if I ever showed you that video, John, but I, I, I never did post it. I'll have to show you it sometime. But the big ones always get yeah, away. Yeah, it would have been yeah, uh, probably away. about a one ninety. Actually, about a, it would have been a, really? nobody. And I told you know the people around that area what happened. I said, you guys find the antlers. I mean, whatever you, know, you can call, get mm -hmm. yourself a carcass tag or whatever you got to get and keep it. You don't have to. But nobody's found it yet. I even asked last yeah. weekend. Anybody found it? Nope. And our neighbor, he's a huge bull hunter and scout, and yeah, he's he's sniffing around, but he's never found it either. So, who knows? I think it went into some CRP in the tall grass. That's my opinion. I think he did and died in there. And if he went in there, you were never going to find it last year, as tall as that grass sure. was, you know. So yeah, you know what John was saying about the moon phases too. The the guys that are elk hunters out there, you can also use that, and that's really it. Really, can make or break a hunt for elk hunting. Because um, when I lived in Montana, 
we would not go out or try to avoid that full moon during the times when when uh, you want to bugle them because they bugle all night. They're moving all night. And in the mornings, they settle down. In the afternoons is better, of course. But um, and that's what we've recognized, too, with the with the bull elk. You know, we we call in my buddy Kevin and I went out the first few days. We had this full moon and man, we'd be hiking in in the morning. Those bulls would be bugling, screaming. They'd be screaming all night. We were hearing them in the tent and get out there and you couldn't get them to talk. And then all of a sudden in the evenings, we started pulling in bulls again. But it was that evening on. So that was really a, a you know, set an example of where those animals will be and what their activity is in the moon phases. It really makes a difference. It's like, you know, I worked in healthcare, you know, and the, and the, and John's wife can maybe attest to this too. During the full moon, all the nutcases come out. So, you know, I'm a school teacher, they always buddy, end up in the ER. Exactly when the full moon is. Because <laughs> our kids go off to the rockers. And anytime there's a change in the pressure, it's, it's insane. Yeah. A guy could do a heck of a study as a school teacher on what kind of day you're going to have because of the weather or the moon. That's crazy. Yeah. I tell you what, I'm going to hit some comments here. And John, you're next up on deck here. So we'll get to these comments and you, we'll hit yours and, and we'll go from there. So we, uh, Brian Warner, evening, Brian. Brian's always listening. In fact, had uh, Brian and his dad on the last show talking sausage making. If you missed that one, uh, get on iHeart and check that out. It was a great show. Josh Patterson, what's up, buddy? Uh, Brandon George, he's on. What's up, Brandon? One shot cap. Howdy, 701 Nation. Lynette, she said, hey, guys, I'm not sure if the Florida group is here, but she's watching this great podcast. Appreciate that, Lynette. Her husband's actually down with uh, Clay and some guys in Florida that are on a big hog hunt down there on uh, with the Racks Adventure team. And let's see. Yeah, Brandon, he loves hunting mornings, unfortunately. Most of his go in the in the mm-hmm. afternoon. Yeah, he, said, he saw the video, too. It was actually Brandon's dad. He said that thing was a monster. It was, actually. So we got a former full-time bartender. I had the full moon phase down. So Brandon said that. What's Brandon's dad's name? Travis George. Okay, Brandon, I'll just let you know I used to play hockey with your dad. There you go. Yeah, I I think Trav might actually finally retire this year from from playing league hockey. But he he, he, he lost a bunch of weight. He had a little heart surgery going. He's, He's doing pretty good now. He actually kept up. Real good. He struggled a few years there keeping up with us stocking deer and during deer season. But this year, man, he was yeah, he he was taking lead on a lot of stocks. So it was it oh, was great. That's awesome. All right, John, yeah. let's why don't you hit us up with one of the things you learned here over the years of hunting. And you've got a lot more years on than, than it on me. Not just because yeah, you're older, but uh, thing I've just... learned is I'm I have I'm not as good as I think I am. <laughs> I've learned that one myself too. It'll humble you, right? I've, I've learned over the yeah, over I think the years. We've all got that one. Yeah, and mine's a little bit more not like it's so technical or anything like that. It's just that I've learned that um, it truly the kill doesn't make the hunt. The older I get, the more I just enjoy. Mm-hmm. We were, I was talking to someone the other day, and it's like honestly, you get out there, and whether you're helping a, a first-time hunter or whatever um I, you know and with filming i've really learned to appreciate it because over the years you know you give up half of your tags basically to yeah. film your buddy but i had just as much fun if kurt killed something or jason or my daughter you get just as excited being there just being a part of it just being out there is is super enjoyable and i think that everybody goes through like wayne was talking about the stages of being a hunter and you almost wish that you could get there show people a little glimpse down the road so they're not so 
um, intense mm-hmm. and and you know freaking out all the time because it really has like almost zero to do with the kill later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually the five stages of the hunter. One of the last um, live streams I did for guns in the seven hundred one was it well it was that and and I agree with you. I you know when you when a guy's younger, all you you just want to get that kill and you want you or if you're bird hunting, you want to be the first guy to get your limit. You know, and and you want to get, and if you're deer hunting, you want to get the biggest buck or whatever. And I'm definitely, I mean, my buddies who hunt with me can attest to that. Travis Healy, and all my, and uh, some Travis's boys and my uncle. I mean, I'm not. I like to get a big one, but you know what? It's I I love it when them guys get one. It, it gets me just. I, I'd say anymore, I get just as jacked for them getting one as you know. When Healy got that big one a few years ago, John, I was I was so damn excited when I seen that thing. I pulled up on my mule to help him and, and seen it, and I I can't say what I I mean I could say it, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> when I seen the dang thing, and um, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I I definitely love that kind of stuff. No, I just, some people don't get it, but you're you're definitely right on that. I I definitely have learned that lesson over the years right. myself. And that's always I've always been amazed at guys that are solo hunters. I I I personally. Do not, I don't understand it. I don't, I love to hunt. I mean, my passion for hunting is there's, it's next to the top guys. I just love to do it, but I like to share it with someone. I I feel it's fun to go out there by myself. And I've done a few over the years, you know, where I've shot, I shot my buck two years ago in that deep snow by myself. And honestly, it was anticlimactic. It was, there was no celebration afterwards. There was no, you know, it, it was more about me just killing it and getting it on film, which that's not what I'm about. I like, I mean, yes, I am about that. And you got to kill them and all, mm-hmm. do all that stuff. But I miss the high fives with the buddies and having a whiskey down at the cabin for going sure. outside and scoring the deer when it was midnight and, free, you know, freaking cold as heck out there. That's all the fun stuff. Waking up with a little bit of a headache and then going out and looking at them again. You know, I came back to the cabin. Levi was nice enough to come down, take pictures. We had a beer, and then I went home. And I, it was like, yeah. I always say the two biggest, my mule and my whitetail, those are definitely not my not my most enjoyable. You know, both of them were pretty luck. Well, the whitetail for sure was 100% luck. But, um, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't, there wasn't really a whole lot of skill involved in how I got those two. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this, this, Last year, well, this season when I got mine, I mean, it was a long stock. Travis was with me on it. And, um, I, you know, long story short, we had to track it and it ended up getting it. But, I mean, I think that was when we finally got them. Man, I was so jacked up and Trav and I were high-fiving and hugging. It was freaking awesome. And he ain't even a big deer. He's just a three-by-three, three, real tall. His back tines are tall, mule deer, 18 inches wide. But I seen him before the season, and I liked him anyways. I think I sent you guys a video of him. I said, look at this, and. Some people were kind of, I mean, nah, you don't want him. And I'm like, yeah, I, don't, I like that deer. I didn't even bother me to get him. And no. I got him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, we're going uh, to hit a commercial here, guys. Let's give, uh, give our sponsors some love. And then uh, when we come back, I'll, I'll give you my first one on, on uh, what, what I've learned over hunting. So here we go. We're going to just, we're going to do one right here, and then we'll do the double out on the second one. So here's our main sponsor, Laura. 
Auto Repair, located at 309 South Washington Street in Bismarck, North Dakota. Give them a call at 701-258-6308. The team of mechanics at Lauer Auto can take care of any problem your vehicle is having. And when you do business with Lauer, you can be assured you're doing business with a pro Second Amendment America First Repair Shop. There are plenty of other auto repair shops in the Bismarck Mandan area. But why take a chance at patronizing a shop that might not have your beliefs at heart? Make no mistake. Make no mistake. Lauer Auto is your pro Second Amendment repair shop. When you talk to the guys at Lauer Auto, don't forget to tell them that you heard they are a sponsor of Guns and the 701 and that you appreciate their support of our pro Second Amendment, pro North Dakota live stream and podcast. That's Lauer Auto Repair, 701-258-6308. 701-258-6308. Located 309 South Washington Street in Bismarck, North Dakota. Right on. Thanks, Lauerado. First one uh, got on board with us, and, and he's still here. The Doug and the boys down there. And if you go down and uh, get your vehicle repaired or an oil change or anything, make sure you tell me you heard it on, on Guns in the 701 or 701 Nation because, hey, that helps out when uh, they know you're listening. So <laughs> I, I told you, Jamie, that those guys, um, Keith and um, I forget the other gentleman, my vehicles were in there, my truck. Uh, my GMC back when I was a kid, they did all the work on our family's vehicles there. Awesome. Yeah. Keith and Kevin's in there and now, and now Doug's part owner too. So yeah, I swing in on a regular basis and drop off a case of pounders for them now and then just to, you know, boys <laughs> like to enjoy a freshman after work on occasion. But go. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I'll hit a few more comments here. Then I'll hit my thing. Uh, Lynette case says full moon is incredibly disruptive for dementia people, but she works with a lot of uh, older people mm. like that. Like in home care and that, um, Josh Patterson says, now that my boy hunts, I get more excited for him to get a deer or a bird than I do myself. Absolutely, John. Hey, there we go. Corey Merriman down from Florida. Hog Crew says, hi. Hey, th- hey guys. Good luck down there. I seen they're getting a few of them. And all right. Lynette, awesome. She loves it. So, all right. Let's hit it here. My th- See, I'm not going to, I'm not as deep uh, a thinker as you guys. Jamie, hang on. What's that, Wayne? One second, Jamie. Yeah. Jamie, I, I just yeah, want to comment it. on John's real quick, okay? Okay, yeah, I, th- go for I think it. he had my third one he had taken. So uh, <laughs> you know, I okay. totally agree that that is the older we the older we get, you know, the the more we want to share it with others. And mm-hmm. I think the older we get, we we remain calm when drawing down on an animal, and and when that greater excitement comes later, and it's it's really fun to share. And I've got I have three daughters in law right now, and two of them have killed. We've taken on killed animals. My my um, longest daughter-in-law that we've had, Kayla, she she loves it out there. She's killed a nice uh, muley buck, and she's killed some some does and whatnot. And and uh, she just wants to get back out there. And I've got one more of my daughter-in-laws that I got to get out to get a kill yet, and we'll see if we can get her there. But uh, awesome. And, and a good example of of uh, sharing that is we were out antelope hunting down south. Two of my sons had had tags and I didn't have a tag. I was just carrying my bow tag. And, uh, they had, we, I saw some bucks in this rolling prairie Hills way down South. And I said, you know, Hey, let's see how close we can get to these. Cause there was one buck in the bunch that I'd probably shoot is a big three pointer. And I got them all within 75 yards of these deer bedded down. And then I went the last 35 yards and I uh, shot the biggest one out of the bunch. And <laughs> to have them all there with that, that was just so much fun. I could see where John really gets excited having a cameraman and yeah. everybody else with when you're doing that. Um, and, you know, 
having the others to, to, to help out spot things is really good too. Uh, of course, when you're getting that close, you have to be that much more careful because you're making twice or three or four times as much noise. Yep. So uh, that takes a little bit too, but yeah, great, great comment, John. I, I totally agree. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's fun. I love my kid. Uh, my youngest is getting hunter safety here. Actually, John, she's taking it with uh, Healy's youngest boy. And um, we're hoping they get out this youth season and get, uh, you know, harvest that dough, right? All right. Yeah, yeah. So that's, mm-hmm. I got some nice 223 rounds loaded up for them, some deer rounds. So, you know, we're going to keep it in 150 yards and in. So, and I told them, though, if they're going to do it, you got to practice. You ain't just going to get it and go out there and uh, hit one in the gut or the rear end or something. I want I want a good shot. They need to know that. Um, you want to take that animal as fast and clean as you can, which leads right into one thing I've learned about hunting right here. It's, uh, you know, you see a lot of thing or hear things or you hear a lot of people tell you one, I got, I got uh, 20 round box ammo and I've used it 10 years and there's only 10 rounds gone. Cause I got 10 deer. Mm, I'm not saying that isn't true for some people, but for the most part, the one shot, one kill thing over the years, I've learned totally not realistic. And <laughs> I don't, I don't, um, you know, I, I've seen some shows, not yours, John, but I'm saying I've seen some hunting shows and I know I seen where the bullet went in and I'm like, I know you guys had to go up and finish that thing off. You know, <laughs> and, so, you know what, that's the thing for us is that almost I can remember I'm looking at a couple of mule deer. I shot a mule deer one time and I hit him a little bit, a little bit low, a little bit forward and took that front shoulder out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we filmed it and, and I, he jumped up in front of me and I shot him as he's running. Um, and then he fell and he broke his antler off. No so, way. <laughs> and, uh, but we showed, I mean, that's one of the things that I get frustrated with some of these shows is that if you hit him in the guts, you don't say I smoked him. Right. Right. You know? Which they do. Yeah. yeah. And that's bow or yeah, rifle exactly. for sure. I mean, right. I've seen some and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we make a bad shot, it's like, we look and it's like, ah, I hit him a little low. I shot my antelope this year. I'm Ooh. like, man, this looks a little low. Maybe caught him in the heart, but no, I had to do a spot and stock on him and, and got another air on him, which. Mm-hmm. Again, we show the whole thing because mm-hmm. that is part of hunting. I mean, I wish I was perfect, yep. but I have. Yep. I probably missed more animals than I've killed, so it's just part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I got back into deer hunting, I said, "I said, oh, I've never missed a deer. I've killed. You know, well, guess what? I, I got to, <laughs> I got humbled on that. I mean, the first year or two, I didn't, but yeah, since then, and you know, I've been back into it about 15, 16 years, and yeah, I've, I've missed some. Um, big huge three by three a couple years ago i missed i still think of that sucker when i i get up on this big hilltop out the farm and look and i was like yep that's right where i was and i missed him and i still can't believe it it was you know 400 yards and you're at the gun range and you can shoot a damn pop can off the top of the off of the target stand but you get out there and you're on a little hillside or something and you know it, yeah. it's not the same and so yeah and then this year it wasn't a one shot one kill i you know, I did a stream on it. I, I hit him twice. Perfect. I mean, offhand, probably the best offhand shots I've ever made on an animal and put two of them within probably four inches of each other at 150. And I shot again at 180 and there two big holes in his shoulder, but the bullet didn't penetrate. And, and, uh, yeah, we had to, went and found him, stopped, you know, looked around for a couple hours and found him and then, you know, took care of him. But yeah, that's the one shot, one kill. I've learned that's, <laughs> that's a myth I'll, not all the time but it's definitely it's definitely you know not uh not true all the time so no all right wayne yeah. let's get back to you buddy we're let's let's get to round two here what do you got for us 
Um, let's see. You know, I, this is one that my wife will like because if your wife is your best friend, she can also be your best hunting partner. And I really truly believe that. Judy, my wife Judy, she loves to get out there and hunt. And she shot a she shot a lot of good mule deer, and uh, she's really a good hunter. So when we get out there, you know, as John mentioned, there there is a negative for solo hunting because you only have yourself to rely on. Of course, you can make all the mistakes and you only have yourself to blame where mm -hmm. if I'm hunting with my wife, I can always blame her for something. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know? yeah. But, uh, you know, four eyes are better than two and two heads are better than one, especially if it's your wife. And I'm just making brownie points, by the way. So, <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You're doing so, great. <laughs> but I mean, a, a great, you know, she's not always right though. I mean, so we are, we were hunting once in a spot where my son had killed this hundred and 60 plus muley the few years before and we actually had gone in there um coyote hunting and i was calling coyotes and i bumped these three nice bucks out of this big uh ravine and uh and we were quite a ways back in there so i thought you know the next day we hiked all the way back in there with my bow and get up in there and i found these bucks again and we're sitting up on top glassing them and they're in a spot that i know i told judy i said if I back out of here, we back out of here, we go all the way around, we can get in on the wind is right. We're going to have a great, great spot to, to stock in on, get a, probably get a good shot. She goes, no, no, I think we should stay here. I think they're going to move up this draw. And I'm going, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. And so she convinced me we stayed there. 20 minutes later, this little front comes over, blows even harder, swirls the wind. These bucks get a wind of us and they blew out of that canyon so fast. And it's like, here goes this. 170 plus buck just running over the hill. And I could have had, and he ran right by where my stock would have been. And I would have been coming in from that angle. It'd have been perfect. I could say that now, of course. But, uh, <laughs> of course. Uh, so if, you're, if your wife is a, is a good best friend, I mean, she can be a good hunting partner. And so guys, hopefully you're doing that and uh, not taking her along. Well, my wife, um, she does have her hunter safety. And she said she was going to go hunting with me at one point. Never happened. I mean, she comes shooting with me now and then, but even even now, it's kind of hard. But um, and my oldest put in for one once, and then she didn't want to do it. But now my youngest, I made sure. Like I said, hopefully she's my hunting. She's gonna be my hunting buddy. So, and we got plenty of uh, mm -hmm. we got plenty of other people to help her out hunting. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, you know yeah. If I your wife's not, and the kids time. get it. One What's time? that, John? I took my wife hunting one time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Number one, again, I'm guessing that didn't go so well. Yeah. You know, it was funny because she worked for a doctor and he had a buffalo ranch and he wanted us to come and film a buffalo hunt in the worst way. And I just told him, I said, yeah, I'm not really into shooting a buffalo. Or, And he just kept begging us, begging us. So we all went down there. We took our wives thinking it was going to be a slam dunk. And, um, you know, he had a beautiful lodge. We, you know, had a good first evening and then we started hunting the buffalo and it was brutal. I mean, it, we told him, yeah, we'll probably be in by five o'clock. You know, we'll be able to go into town. <laughs> we didn't, we couldn't even find the buffalo um, for oh. half a day. And then it was just, it went downhill from there. I'm not going to say which one of my cohorts ended up drinking too much and got sick. <laughs> um, and Somebody then, else does that. Yeah. So it was just a kind of a, yeah, bad experience, and I don't think she talked to me all the way home. And wait, right then we just decided that we both have our separate lives, and we will have one together. But <laughs> they are not going to be together hunting. <laughs> yep, 
Which, I, in my experience, that's the way it goes with with um, even my my grandparents on, on my mom's side. They hunted. I mean, ever since I can even remember, they hunted deer and antelope together. And and um, mm. yeah, I mean, they got along great. But they still sometimes they come back from hunting and they weren't talking. You know, yeah, something happened. And <laughs> I, I honestly, it's like my daughter hunts with her boyfriend all the time. It's nonstop. And I'm the guy that, like I said, I love my wife you know, more in life itself, but we have learned that I have this life over here. She's got this life over yep. here and we have this together. And without this one of me being with my buddies yeah. and without this one with her being with her friends and her animals and stuff like that, we wouldn't have this together. And so I think if me and my wife, right. my wife and I were together all the time, it would be. Yeah. Oh, be, for sure. Yeah. That. So, yeah. and that's just the way she and I are wired. And plus she breaks for gophers. She doesn't like anything to die, even though she understands all the time. She, she tells a story when she was younger. She hit or ran over a bird or found a bird. She put it in her basket. She went home and put Band-Aids on it and tried to save oh, its life. I've done that with raccoons when I was younger, but now when I see them, it, it's like, you guys, you're making a mess of things. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but, I also do a lot of, I do a lot of solo hunting too. So uh, maybe well, that's, that's the transition when I hunted with, you know. Some, like I said, some guys love much, it. I said, you know? And I even told Shelby and Connor, I told my daughter, I said, as much as you love hunting with him, you need to let him go with the boys too. Yeah. Well, when you're, you know, when you're younger, you can, you do a lot of stuff that you normally wouldn't do. You tolerate it and not yeah. that they're doing, but I'm saying, you know, when, when you were younger and you didn't have kids, the, the wife yeah. was a little more apt to try and do something yeah. that, you know, she normally wouldn't, which happened. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you guys there on that. Let's, uh, let me catch up on some of these comments here. Brandon says nothing worse than gut shot deer. Yeah. I, 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 you can hear when that gut shot too, it's just that whoop, not, you did, it's not a good mm -hmm. splat. It's just that. Oh, you guys know the noise. It I, sucks, right? I wouldn't know anything about that. Noise. <laughs> <laughs> John only knows what it sounds like when that heart gets blown out. Yeah, that means I got it. Yep, it is crumpled <laughs> up, right? <laughs> uh, Troy Howard's listening. Hey, Troy, appreciate it. My mom says, great guest. Paula Odegaard, great guest. Brian Warner, if my wife didn't enjoy hunting, I'm sure I wouldn't hunt. Really? And Mama Joe got herself a nice mule deer this year, too. Plus, she's a better shot than me, said so. <laughs> I just heard on the, I just read where that I think women are like, um, the increase is like 45%. So the women are really, um, there's a lot of w young women and women coming into the hunting field, which is nice yep, to see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like women, women gun owners is way up too. So. Yeah. And women are supposed to be, supposedly, I heard this a long time ago, that women are better shots than men. Because of their their heart rates, their ejection fraction is is less than ours, and there's less uh, pulses that we get when we shoot, apparently, and they're supposed to be more accurate or something. So it's been a long time since I heard it, but I heard something in that regard. I think they're probably not trying to prove like they're really good at stuff like men are when we get out and do that <laughs> stuff. Like that. I'm sure you guys are great at everything. So that's why we screw up. And the women just come out and just nonchalant. It's like, that's right. Wayne archery camp. Who's the best shots there? It's always yeah, the all the girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Women, man. I mean, I've had like some of my buddies um, bring their, their, their better halves out of their wives shooting and, some of them never even shot before, so 
it's and they shoot lights out and they kind of embarrass their 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 husbands or their boyfriends and i'm just like hey man it's, i've seen it happen before don't feel too bad about it you know because i think like i said i don't think they're, they're just like eh. and then most of them got pretty jacked up about it and liked it to be honest i even had uh one of my buddies his wife's huge liberal and i could see she was looking sideways at the ar you know and um i just loaded it up so here just go over here and dump it and Meg dump it into the creek. Why? And I said, just do it. And then she was done and she looked over and I go, you see that smile? That's why you do it. And, you know? <laughs> yeah. and then she would, I mean, precision shooting though, too. She was shooting nice. I mean, I could put a you know a little target out there. Like I said, a pop can or something at 300 and mm-hmm. she was drilling it. So it was awesome. And she admitted she liked it and she was very hesitant, but um, yeah, she, yeah. she was awesome. So women can, I agree with good that. Thoughts. Women, women are, women are good marksmen. There's no doubt about yeah. that. So yeah, Judy shot her elk at uh, 315 yards and, and for her, that's a really long shot. So uh, I mean, honestly, for most yeah. people, Wayne, that is yeah. a long shot for that people that don't shot, shoot yeah. a whole bunch. You know, yeah, I, I don't like taking shots that, that far. I would rather, you know, stretch the stock, not the shot type thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that. kind of that's kind of something I've learned over the years too. A lesson for me, I always thought it was you're going to be Joe Cool shooting this long shot. Which you know, if you do it and it works, yeah, it's pretty awesome. But but for the most part, I would definitely rather have a sure shot within 300. I mean, if I can get within 150 and do it, that's even better because yeah. you you know even if you don't hit it exactly where you want, there's so much more energy getting poured yeah. into that. Or for bow, for that matter, you know, if you see a big one out there. You know, I don't shoot. I got, I got a crossbow. Yes, I have a license for it. Um, I don't, I don't see one at a hundred yards and go, oh, this is gonna be a piece of cake. No, I don't. I do not. I don't. I prefer to shoot them at twenty yards. Yeah. I don't care if yeah. I got a crossbow or not. It's, it's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it's a coyote and you're shooting at four hundred, <laughs> I'm letting I mean, it fly. Whatever, then for sure. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Big I game mean, are a little bit different in my book. I guess. Yeah, so. yeah. Yodis are. Yodi, you know, I don't yeah. don't have as much sympathy for them. So, <laughs> all right, Gene Cox, he made it. Hey, Gene, appreciate it. Uh, Brianna, hey, Bree, how you doing? She's listening up in uh, Halliday, North Dakota. Appreciate that. Haven't uh, haven't seen her and John out in a while. I haven't been up there much, but uh, my <laughs> my cousin Dave said you can take his Filipino wife. Take her out hunting. All right, we'll do that. Get get her up here, Dave. Let's get her out hunting. And sh- I don't know if you want your wife being a better shot than you, though. If you get on or you're in trouble, so. <laughs> All right, let's do, uh, here's what we're going to do, guys. I'm going to do our second commercial break here, sponsor break, and then we come back. John, you're going to be, you're going to be at the free throw line, buddy, and I know you're good at that, so. All right, but. There you go. All right, we're going to run two ads, Lauer and Double H. Hang in there, guys. Let's get it done. Auto Repair, located at 309 South Washington Street in Bismarck, North Dakota. Give them a call at 701-258-6308. The team of mechanics at Lauer Auto can take care of any problem your vehicle is having. And when you do business with Lauer, you can be assured you're doing business with a pro Second Amendment America First Repair Shop. There are plenty of other auto repair shops in the Bismarck Mandan area. But why take a chance at patronizing a shop that might not have your beliefs at heart? Make no 
mistake. Make no mistake. Lauer Auto is your pro Second Amendment repair shop. When you talk to the guys at Lauer Auto, don't forget to tell them that you heard they are a sponsor of Guns and the 701 and that you appreciate their support of our pro Second Amendment, pro North Dakota live stream and podcast. That's Lauer Auto Repair, 701-258-6308. 701-258-6308. Located 309 South Washington Street in Bismarck, North Dakota. Discover the world of firearms at Bismarck's Double H Gun Shop. With a wide range of products from handguns to rifles, we cater to all your shooting needs. We are your local gun experts. Not only do we sell firearms, reloading supplies, targets, and whatever your heart desires, but we also have a ton of knowledge and answers. We shoot, we hunt, we compete, we reload. It's been the Howard's way since 1976, and we ain't fixing to change anything. Visit our website at hhgunshop.com to browse our inventory. Double H Gun Shop, Bismarck's best new and used firearms. Arm reloading supply, gunsmithing, and sporting goods store. Double H Guns. Double H Guns. 1021 South Washington Street, Bismarck, North Dakota. Call 701-223-4888. Right on. Appreciate our sponsors. Like I said, get in there and let them know you heard them on Guns in the 701 or 701 Nation. Or you might have heard them uh, Friday on uh, 550 with Todd Mitchell in the morning. They're on there every Friday. But just down talking to Daryl the other day. Tons of inventory, a lot of reloading stuff. He's got a bunch. He went on a used gun buying trip. And uh, if you like um, some older guns there with the nice wood stocks. And, you know, he's Daryl's in a little more classic stuff. He's not much of an AR guy. And mm-hmm. I don't know, the older I get, I'm kind of getting back more into the bolt actions, to be honest with you guys, too. I, I like all guns. I mean, if somebody got a muzzle loader and I see it, I'm like, man, I'd like to take a crack with that thing. So, <laughs> anyways, appreciate our sponsors. Yep. You guys get out there and uh, we'd appreciate you uh, uh, patronizing them, too. So, all right, John. So, you're up. Let's let's hear what you got your uh, number two what you've learned here over the years of hunting. Uh, I guess over the years I've I've been a firm believer that the more time you spend in the field, the more time you spend scouting, the better opportunities or your luck that you'll create. You know, a lot of guys, and I say it all the time, better to be lucky than good. But a lot of that luck comes from the time you spend in the field. I remember years ago reading a magazine. Miles Keller said if he had ten days to hunt, he would scout six of them. <laughs> and that really stuck in my brain because, you know, down at the ranch, I'm fortunate that, I mean, every time I go down there, I'm on a hill. I'm always scouting. And that is what creates your success because, like Wayne said earlier, you can pattern. You know, deer are, yeah, they're smart, but they're not smarter than we are. And you can pattern them. You can figure things out. You can put the odds in your favor by spending more time in the field. So I guess over the years, the more time you can spend out there, and the more time you can spend scouting, the better chances you're going to have killing that animal you want to. And I think maybe you and I have probably said this to each other before, but I almost enjoy scouting and watching deer anymore as much as I do hunting them oh. for whatever reason. I mean, I, I love doing that. Yeah. It is. And, and, you know, it's like the deer I killed, you know, last year in the snow. <clears throat> I'd watched him for a couple of years and put in a lot of time and effort. And I always say I kill like a $10,000 deer every year because you can't. <laughs> Time and gas that's and true and trail cameras and food plots and things like that yeah. that you put in yeah and when i did kill him i was like part of me dies it's like i'm never going to see that deer on trail camera again and i mean i look forward to it every time i pull yeah. a card i'm looking for that deer and now i don't see him so it's kind of bittersweet and i think as you get older um that's a lot of that stuff sets in it it's more of a cat and mouse game and the game itself is, is 
of doing everything from packing to scouting, um, all that stuff, practicing all goes into an, and that's like 90% of your hunt. Mm-hmm. The other part of it is just pulling the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get that instant thrill there and then, you know, I'm, I'm actually getting to the point where I enjoy gutting the deer out even and doing all that kind of stuff, man. I had a lot of fun doing that this year, but Travis hurt his finger when he got his and then uh, at his job there at his business he owns and as long as I'll gut it out for you, no problem, man. I, I'm, you know, I don't, I, I take pride in get, getting a good gut on there and I got it hung up in the shop. We got it back and my dad's like, who gutted this to me? Why? Man, you didn't even touch the loins on this one. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Give myself a pat on the back for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. What, what do you think of that, Wayne? I, I I agree with that. It's... Yeah, yeah, I totally totally agree with John there too. I mean, um, I recently made trips out to the areas we hunt in the Badlands. You know, just looking to see how the deer are doing, and and you know this this time of year. I mean, you're out there scouting like John is probably doing the same thing. So you're knowing what's out there, what's survived the winter, and you're getting to experience other things with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm out there and I'm seeing these pockets of uh, muley bucks still have their antlers a couple yep. weeks ago. Yep. And then I then I came across and I spotted these dozen um, elk all bedded together on this hillside. All of them had their antlers. I mean, if you're not out there scouting, you don't, you don't get to experience that other stuff too. Yeah. So that's really, really something that you got to take advantage of. And, and, you know, once you pull that trigger, it's like, okay, if I'm out there and it's happened where opening weekends, a bow season and opening weekends, a gun season, you filled your tag. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unless you make a genuine effort to go back out there, your season's done. And it's kind of like an emptiness in your gut. (laughs) If you think about it, I agree because you, you don't go back out there unless you have to. And, and then those cases where, you're helping somebody else, you know, then that makes it fun too again. But yeah, Which, uh, the, you're, ma- you're making your own success really is uh, what you're doing. That kind of leads into what my next one was. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay to fill that tag uh, on opening weekend, you know, but I, I agree with you. And I've done that a couple of times. And in fact, the biggest whitetail I ever got, I got them Saturday on opening weekend. And then I was just like, man, now what? You know, my friends are still out and had tags, but it kind of, it knocks the wind out of you. But, but I mean, when you see a big one, um, you know, a lot of people be like, nah, something bigger will come along. But like John was saying with his scouting, John, if you're scouting, yeah, there's a chance there's always something that shows up that you've never seen. Right. But if you're scouting and let's just say a 170 inch mule deer shows up and you're like, I've been scouting all summer and all fall and there ain't <laughs> nothing bigger than this guy out here. I'm going to, I'm going to take this one, you know, yeah, maybe some, yeah. you know, yeah. um, somebody comes, you know, a deer comes rolling through from somewhere that got pushed from way up North of our place or something, but, but I, I wouldn't bother me one bit. I don't, if I, if I shoot a nice one opening weekend and fill my tag, I'm not, I'm, you know, cause everybody else right. said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Opening weekend. That doesn't bother me other than the fact Wayne yeah. that, that, you know, yeah, I can't kill my killings over and, but right. doesn't bother yeah. me. But, you know, bringing up, uh, during the break, my wife popped her head in here and she said, yeah, you could have brought up a better example than that. Than I used that. She goofed me up on some deer. <laughs> Actually, uh, <laughs> she, um, we were out elk hunting when she had her elk tag and a prime example of shooting a deer early. We, you know, that's early in the September and, uh, 
we were glassing for elk in these drainages. And I started watching this one muley buck that came out. I'm watching him and watching him. And Judy's watching him. She goes, you know, he's really nice. You should go after him. I said, ah, you know, we'll look for your elk. She goes, no, you go after him. Don't worry about my elk. So then I went down and I pulled a sneak and got with a 30 yards and shot this nice, nice uh, four by four velvet buck, you know, but uh, so my season was over mm-hmm. right there, you know, but of course I had other things to do with her elk tag. So that was good. But uh, yeah, so two, two birds with one stone there. Yeah. I shot my elk or my, my deer early and she helped me get that. She coaxed me into doing that. So I got to give her kudos for that. But uh, yeah, your, your season's done when you do kill yep. that tag. That's for yep. sure. Yeah. The first one I ever got. In fact, um, John, you guys had like a giveaway there. The first deer I ever got, he mounted a uh, whitetail buck in velvet second day of the season. I mean, that whole summer checking cameras every weekend. My old, that's when my oldest daughter was, she was, she was, uh, man, I think three or four. She come up with me all the time. We were putting corn down. Oh my God, you're a cheater, JD. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> corn and apples and, and um, sure enough, second day, I remember get. I distinctly remember getting up at like three in the morning and thinking this bow hunting sucks because I should still be sleeping. <laughs> but went out there and, and sure enough, I got I got him. And never did put tape to him, but he's probably one between one thirty five and one hundred forty. Awesome, awesome buck. You know, not, now that I've bow hunted for, I probably would have let him go reluctantly. But but yeah, and then I, I remember getting them all done, and I was just thinking all that preparation and I'm done on the second day. I was, I was, you know, so happy when I got him. My heart was pumping yeah. super hard. I mean, one of the biggest cases of buck fever I ever had, but I did settle myself down and got a nice shot, but yeah. And then it was all over and I was, I didn't have a rifle tag, not even a doe. And I was just like, wow, now what am I going to do till, you know, till November when, when rifle opens and my buddies have, but yeah, totally satisfied with it either way. I, I look at that deer every day and, and memories pop in my head about it. So it was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So yeah. I'll tell you what, if you got John, you got any more to wait? Because I, I want to talk a little gear with you guys here, some hunting yeah. gear, if you don't mind. I, I, I got questions. Sure. I got questions for, for Wayne. Um, hit it. I, hit he, it, John. He's a spot and stock guru because I, I did a little that this year. Yeah. Tell, me, mm-hmm. tell me how you practice for spot and stock. Cause I, you know, I went out and I, and I ended up shooting a mule deer right in the butt. Uh, I'm not very happy <laughs> with it. Um, I don't know what happened. My arrow, when it came out, it looked terrible. I don't, and it wasn't breezy. I don't know what happened. It, it, it when I saw my arrow flying, I'm like something happened because I, I'm a, I'm not the world's greatest shot, but I'm not a bad shot. And mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if it was my adrenaline or whatever, but when you, you know, one of the things that I find is that when I'm whitetail hunting in a ground blind or in a tree stand, I have time. And it's like, I, I'm drawn back, I'm aiming, getting my pin where it needs to, I stop them, and then I can squeeze the trigger. And when you mule deer hunt, how are you doing it? Are you still, because I'll practice sometimes, like I'm sneaking around a tree and I draw and it seems like I just get in a hurry. You still take all the time that you always do to shoot, and if a deer moves, he moves because I, I yeah. feel that I rush myself and then I punch my trigger. Yeah, you know that's that's usually what happens. I mean, if you get a bedded deer, I, I shot a buck in the snow in South Dakota, and you know if if their deer are bedded in a situation where you could come over the top on them, you know what I will do is 
you know, if you get a get a chance to see where they're at, you peek up over the top and you look down at them, and you they're 25 yards or 35 yards or whatever they are, and you range them or you know the yardage, then I back off and I get everything set like I would, and you're going to draw your bow, and I will draw my bow and I'll look through my peep and I'll get my 30 yard pin or whatever it is on that. Uh, it's already set. As I come over the top, then I will settle on that. And you get that pin on so that you're not coming over the top and drawing on the animal. You're drawn and coming over the top then. Um, that's if that's a, that's a prime scenario if you can do it. Uh, many times I've been crawling through the grasses and you get in the grasses and, you know, you're getting close. I shot a buck way down south. There's four bucks all feeding on this hillside. And one of my things that I have always said to people is don't wait for your buck to bed uh, before making your stock because these bucks may be thought that you can't get at them. So if you can have a scenario where you can get on their feeding lanes or something and get in front, well, that's what I did with these. They're four bucks together. You're crawling up in the grass. You're getting everything set there again. You may peek up and range a little bit and, and see if you can get a range. And if you can't get a range, be able to judge distances without a range finder is really critical as well. Mm-hmm. But Agreed. And then and then going back down and drawing your bow really low, getting things set just like that and raising up and trying to do that. And and for the most often, you could probably get it done, uh, especially if you watch the animals and make sure that they're facing away or, or content doing something like feeding. Um, I shot an antelope at 40 yards when I snuck into him and and I did the same thing. And he just, he didn't know that I was there until I came up with my bow and my pin was already on him. And he looked up at me and the frontal shot and I hit him about an inch too high, hit him right in the spine and it dropped him right there. But it was like um, drawing before you're, you know, exposing yourself is really the key if you can get it done. So, and not always, it doesn't, you know, you don't always have that opportunity. Yeah, what I learned, it's not, what I learned in my short time mule deer hunting, it's not hard getting within distance to shoot them. It's really hard getting the shot. Yeah, it is. They, they all, you know, and I was hunting them in October, so they weren't bedding out in the open and they were bedding in the brush. And so when they would stand up, there would be vitals covered, everything covered. Yeah. You know, so I learned a lot. I had fun. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm hoping to get after it again. And I honestly could care less if I shoot a, um, 130 inch mule deer or a, a spike. I don't care. I just, it was, it was enjoyable yep. and it's something that I haven't done. And, and, um, or I just, uh, like I said, just get out there and have fun doing it. That's yeah. a, that's a good analogy, John. Cause I've, I've actually found that I enjoy spot and stock mule deer. I, I, I don't have a lot, whole lot of patience and that's probably why I don't, well, we got some whitetails coming back this year. I might learn patience, but, <laughs> but yeah, they, those suckers, it is hard. You can, like you said, you can get close, but getting a good shot on them. Then the one I got on the spot and stock, I, he wasn't the one I was initially trying to get, but in this other floor guy stood up and I was like, yeah, yeah, you're going to get it, buddy. And, uh, but yeah, before that I was doing it for, man, I took like five days off and went and I don't know how many stocks I couldn't get a shot on the suckers. Like you said, they were in the Buffalo berries or something. Yeah, I could see the huge antlers and I'm like, would you please stand up and give me a, what do they always say? Present me a shot. You know? Yeah. And I just, what I found is that because you're doing, it's kind of like, it's kind of like hunting antelope with a rifle. You get to do it all day long. And, you know, most, yeah. hunting, most of the time you're just doing it in the morning or in the evening and then mm-hmm. it's your time. And it's nice to be able to go after them all day and get out and stretch your legs. And Agreed. I, I, I learned a lot. And, uh, you know, like I said, it yeah. was, 
it was definitely something different. It was different controlling my adrenaline when I was spotting and stalking versus when I'm sitting in a blind. Yep. Yeah. So the guys here, we and got uh, have- chats here. Hang on, Wayne. I'll let you up here one second, buddy. Okay. Uh, uh, Brianna said they're doing good. Good. Appreciate that, Brianna. Um, guns in a 701 down there in uh, Florida. said lots of hogs dropped this week. Successful year and tons of fun. <laughs> Which, which yeah. it is. You know, Gene Cox, it takes a lot of practice. It takes lots of practice and behind-the-scenes work to become extremely lucky. <laughs> That's true, Gene. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. My brother-in-law said yeah. that when I got my, my buck. You know, he's like, I've been bow hunting for how many years? And I ain't got – he goes out on his first weekend at Gessler, and I'm like, yeah. I was up here every freaking weekend preparing for this crap, and and there was mm-hmm. definitely some luck involved. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you can make yeah. your own luck a little bit, like like Gene's kind of saying there, right? And and uh, John, I think you could attest to this too. You always have to be ready, whether you're spotting stock, whether you're sitting in a tree stand. You always have to be ready because you don't know when something's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, a deer shows oh, up yeah. out of your corner, of your eye in the in the tree stand, or all of a sudden you're crawling up on something and a buck you notice is 20 yards away. But um, I have a question for you, John. When you, and you too, Jamie, when you guys are out looking at mule deer, have you Mm -hmm. found that bachelor bucks are commonly and very commonly found in numbers of four? Yeah, I have actually, now that you say that. You know, when when we look at this, I I tell you, if you really start thinking about it, if I see a bunch of deer, uh, some group of deer like a mile away, and you're like, hey, there's four white butts over there, I would say, I would bet 90% (laughs) of the time, 80% of the time that those are four bucks together because it seems like bucks run in numbers of four for some reason. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why, but that's kind of the, you know, the cherry number that I've found. So when I'm seeing groups of four someplace and they're at a distance, I kind of will make an attempt to see closer what they are because it's usually bucks in those bunches. And, uh, and I don't know what other people think, but that's just something I found too. But yeah, kind of like I said, I have, I don't know about you, John, what do you see on that? You know, I haven't paid that close of attention. I know this last week and I saw seven bucks together and they yeah. all had their antlers. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, with one, and it could have been a small spike or one doe. But, you know, again, you know, late season and stuff like that. And it was a, I'd have to look back in video because I had a couple um, late season hunts with a young man that's helping me film. And it was pretty, pretty exciting for a kid that's, I think he's killed a doe with his bow. But we sat in some soybean fields and it was December, but it just wasn't, you know, we weren't cold. We just needed that cold weather. But we had probably Mm -hmm. 50 deer, which I was surprised. We had probably half mule deer. And there's, you know, three or four bucks that um, were in the field and a couple pretty nice. I mean, when I say pretty nice, they were call bucks. They were one that just was straight up in here. That's not going to mount another one. Another one with no, you know, he had crab claws deer that I would let no matter what age this kid mm-hmm. shoot just because they're they're not up and comers. And, um, you know, I don't I'd have to look back and see if there was four or more. And then the cool thing was we had a, a, a group of elk. We have elk on our place um, this year, and they've stayed all year, which is really exciting to see, but it's absolutely mm-hmm. terrible on the pocketbook as far as trail cameras. <laughs> Anything you put out, they wreck. They, they, they don't eat your food plots. They roll in them. They wreck <laughs> them. But it was cool for this young man to see these elk. And like I said, the last time I just went down there a week ago, I saw 20 of them again. So, Dang. You know, 
Yeah, it's like, yeah. and it, the odds of getting a, you know, I already had my once in a lifetime tag, but, for, and I would, someone, mm -hmm. it, it's crazy how the internet works. I put the post out there and some kid's like, well, why don't you let somebody hunt them? And I just want to reach through and grab them because it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would let anybody hunt an elk on our place. I'd take them right to them, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, it's mm -hmm. just not a consistent thing. But if, like I said, if I have them next year and someone draws a tag, they're nothing that are giants, but they are an elk. And there was, I, I counted yeah. nine bulls. Well, too. And it ain't like they're going that, you know, they ain't got to go 500 miles on elk. If they get one, they go to your place. Hey, yeah. I mean, and like I said, when we talked about everything, it's like, you know, creating your own luck, all that stuff. I, any, anybody that comes with me, I'm, when people get lucky, I don't get mad. You know, I see some guys that will kill their biggest deer and they have lucky. It's great. I'm one of those guys that when I take a youth hunter or a first time hunter, I, I do put stipulations. I, I'm one of those guys and I'm old school. Um, if the 170 inch deer runs in front of them, I'm probably not going to let them shoot it because it's the deer that I've been trying mm -hmm. to kill. And I would rather have right. them work at something. And I've never had a youth mm -hmm. hunter ever complain. Um, when I tell them, you know, this is what we're going to shoot. You know, the mule deer are fun for the kids to go after because they all look big. And most of the mule deer in my mm -hmm. area, um, unlike probably for you, are mutants. I mean, we got so many crab claws. Be great <laughs> on one side, yeah. Nothing on the other, but they're big frame deer. We got a bunch and, of them, too. And again, yeah. to have those kids, I want them to have the whole experience. I want them to come scout. I want them to have to clean the animal. I want them to have to cut it up. I want them to have a, a dinner at the cabin with the guys while they're drinking a beer. I want that whole um, thing because I've seen too many kids that go out with their families and anybody that's listening, if you have a kid and they come hunting at my place and they pull their phone out at the end of the night and they stick their head in it, I'm going to come unglued because you can check your phone, but please, it's like, I want them to enjoy that experience. And it's like, yeah, so don't just sit on it until somebody goes, Hey, here comes yeah. a deer and then put it down. And right. yeah. there's so, there's so many kids that will give their kid a phone or a tablet and say, you know, just sit here and look at that. And I'm like, you're missing everything that's going on. And I, I think we, in our society, we've created where we feel that if we don't, and I hear people say it all the time, well, my kid, if I don't show them deer, and I hear that excuse about baiting, and I, I know nothing against baiting. You're going to get a better shot. But again, yep. <laughs> kids also have to understand that every time dad goes out, I don't, a lot of times don't see anything. A lot of times I don't get a shot. And I don't want, I feel right. like we give everything to kids so fast nowadays. And I'm a parent. Oh, yeah. And I'm a parent, and I was like, my daughter shot her, uh, a spike, and then she shot a fork, and then a 60, and then a 90-inch, and then she said, could I wait for a Pope and Young? And I said, sure. I said, just understand, you're going to wait. And I don't think she shot a deer for a couple years. So I just, with everything I want, whether it's a first-time hunter, um, young or old, I just want them to have that whole experience. And I feel bad sometimes when I, I'll stop a guy in the road, and they're driving around. I go, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm looking, just looking for a deer for my daughter to shoot. And I'm like, well, where are you hunting? Well, we're just driving. And I'm like, to me, that's just I feel yeah. sad. And that's when I say, come on, if you don't mind shooting a doe, I'll take you where to sit and have you shoot them. But again, I want them to have that experience because I think that experience hooks the kid. That's where I differ with the mm -hmm. game and fish about giving a, a buck tag out. I don't think you need to give a kid yeah. a buck tag yeah. to right. get him. I think you need to give them a, the experience. And that's what it's about because I think the experience is going to be more enjoyable and you're going to get hooked on hunting more if you do everything to enjoy it and just going out and shooting your first big buck. And that's the last buck you shoot. Yep. I agree, John. I, I don't, I don't agree with the buck tags on the youth seasons. You know, if, if they have not, 
uh, the, the buck tags can be during the regular yeah. general season for that. I, I, and they can work with the others and do that. I, I truly believe that. I've always believed that. Yes, we took advantage of it with our kids. I mean, we are going to. I mean, we're not yeah. stupid. But, you know, yeah. um, I think but my, my boys are out there working yeah, at it. I, you know? I think especially with the numbers and people argue with me and they say I'm selfish. And I am selfish. You know what? I, I work hard and I want to hunt and I want to yeah. have an opportunity. But I take a lot of youth hunters. I, I, I mean, again, I get hammered sometimes on Facebook and I'll call guys out on it and tell them, what, what do you know about me? How many people have I taken? How many veterans? How many kids have I taken on their first turkey hunt? You know, yeah. that kind of thing, because I spend a lot of time doing it. And I just would I think that we could have a, a youth egg. So if when you turn 14, you will automatically get a buck tag. But it's only a buck tag during the regular season. If you want to use it beforehand, um, you can use it for a doe. And they, no one can say, well, we're, the game of fish doesn't look at a lot of that stuff with youth because they don't know how many youth people are going to put in for youth. So it's kind of just that number that's a ballpark figure. But what would be wrong? So what if it's cold out? I can yeah. remember hunting, it was zero degrees out. And I guarantee you, I didn't have Sitka gear. First night, <laughs> I had blue jeans yeah. on and a flannel shirt with white long johns on and some yeah. leather boots on, and we were able to do it. So I sometimes yeah. think that we feel that kids aren't as tough as they really are and resilient. And I think we could we could do some of these changes and make things better for them. I kind of kind of go back to old school. I still got the white long johns, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's wrong with that, man. That's wrong with that. They work great too. I, I, I went to the colored yeah. ones after I got so old, and I, I did a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yep, yeah. It's uh, and then the red flannel, right? The red and the black. Oh, yeah. I had those when I was oh, yeah, a kid yeah. with the drop away drawers. My dad still has yeah, that. the union suit. The union suit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Walking like the sackets and stuff when I saw those guys wearing them back in the day. <laughs> oh sure, yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, so uh, so what do you uh, what do you what do you use for a bow then, John? What's your bow? I see My you had the white cap hat on, but yep, this year I got I went back to the Carbon R. It's the RX8, um, and again I keep saying it. I don't know how they improve bows, but. This bow to me is the quietest bow Hoyt has ever made, and which I, I'm a firm believer in quiet. I'm, it doesn't make a difference if you shoot 300 feet per second. If it's not quiet, that, that's what mm -hmm. gives you away. And nowadays these bows are all, they're all, you know, I give Wayne a bad time about shooting a Matthews and, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun. And people will get mad at me sometimes. And I make fun of guys with long bows. You know, I said, yeah, I can hear all the long guy, long bow shooters. They go, what do you mean? I said, I can hear the arrows bouncing off the wall. And they get mad at me. I'm like, you yeah. know what? This is all fun. We all we all do the same thing. Yeah, you got to do a little ribbon. Right. You got to do a little bit of ribbon. So we, we give each other a bad time, and we have contests at the um, at the kids' uh, shoots, and when we do these camps. And I said, if I can't do this, I'll wear a Matthews hat. And I lost, and I had to wear a Matthews yeah. hat during the day. And you know, I just said no pictures were allowed. You know. <laughs> yeah. I'm just shooting. I'm shooting my Hoyt, and I I really like it. I got the new one, and like I said, uh. I switched to a thumb release. What's that mean? I don't know what a thumb release so is. When you know the old trigger is where you when you drop back yep. and you pull your trigger. That I know. Yep. And I went through, which was funny because I've never ever had it. Never in you know I've been bow hunting since I was 26 years old, shooting a bow since I was a kid. And I had seen guys talk about target panic, and I had no idea what it was, but it was the most miserable thing that you could ever go through. Mentally, your brain shuts down. I heard about the gymnastic kids 
these like Olympic stars, well, they'll start doing a flip in the air and their brain shuts off and they just, they don't oh. know what to do and they almost kill themselves because they forget what they're doing. And it's the same thing with target mm -hmm. panic. You forget what you're doing. And, and I was jerking and squeezing and missing the trigger. I mean, I missed a, a target. I've never done it on an animal that I know of, but when I was shooting at 20 yards, I'd miss a whole 3D target. And it was so bad that I didn't even want to shoot my bow. I hated wow. it. And then I, I took a course from, um, um, what's his name, the Joel Turner, for 200 bucks, And it's pretty simple when you think about shooting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he taught me a few things. And then I decided to try a thumb release. And it's easier for me to use a little bit. Because they say when you shoot, whether it's your finger, and Zach Camera is awesome to talk to up at Shields. You know, you're supposed to hook that finger and then you're supposed to use your back tension, kind of pull through it. And it seemed like it was easier for me to get that where So I'm you saying pull through with your with your elbow to pull the yep, trigger you, instead you, of just your you, finger? Yeah, your shoulders. Because if you take a um, a release, give me two seconds here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, it Jamie, it's it's a back tension where you where you're tightening up your back and you're letting your back kind of flex. Okay. Or, you know, then your thumb is pulling on that, and, and that's kind of the trick so, behind it. The way this works is, and it, it, this isn't, you know, they make a, a they make back tension releases. They make hinge releases that, you know, are crazy. But this one, it's thumb operated. So if I'm, if, if I pull okay, on I that. heard a break thumb, right there, yeah. You can hear it. Yep. So, but it's pretty amazing when you put your thumb around like that, and you don't have to pull hardly at all, and it breaks. So that's, so, what, you're, that's what you're doing is you got your string in there. And so you're here, and when your mm -hmm. thumb is around, if you just pull back a little bit, it breaks. Because they want, they say it needs to be a surprise, which always bothered me, because I don't like my gun going off on a surprise. <laughs> I agree with I'm, yeah. yeah. But once you start doing it, it seems like it's a, it's the best of both worlds. I know my thumb's on there. I'm squeezing my thumb a little bit. I'm pulling back. And it just seems like you get a cleaner shot. And I, yep. I know that my shooting has increased – and I'm not a guy to shoot past, like I said, I, 50 yards is really my maximum. But when I shoot at 40 yards, my groups tighten up. I mean, I was going from groups at 40 like this down to this. I've always shot good at 20 and 30. Mm -hmm. And now when I'm shooting at 30, I can't shoot at the same spot because I'm, I'm going to start thinking arrows. So it's just... So what's, uh, what's, like the, what's like the trigger, like a good trigger finger release on a bow is like what? Probably like three pounds, two pounds? Boy, I would think three, four pounds. Kind of like a good rifle trigger, right? Probably. You can, you can, you can lighten them up. I have a release that I bought from um, Knock On, and it's a trigger release. But the way it's set is, you set the tension on it, and you draw it back, and you squeeze your trigger, and it won't go off. But what you're doing is you're kind of setting a trigger, like a two-stage rifle trigger. Yeah, and then you have to pull through it. Well, you can do it. Where you set it too much, and when I draw back and hit my wall, and I'd kind of pull against my walls, and boom, yeah, and that, that was too much. But it does teach you to pull through, and you know all the Olympic archers, everybody, you know that's shooting and is a really good shot. Levi Morgan, all those guys, that's how they shoot. They're they're pulling through their shots. And again, I have always said I punch my way through to a lot of animals, apparently. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. what's the pressure what, what pressure do you need to, re to release the thumb one then uh, it's probably about the same and again you can, okay. you, can, you can lighten it up and i've yeah. just been shooting it the same way and i just have felt it's taken me a while to get comfortable with it 
And um, again, I got to practice some more things because that's the one thing when I went on that spot and stock mule deer hunt, I had never shot down a cliff mm-hmm. with this, you know, and it's a different anchoring point than where I anchor on the other one. And that could have been it. It could have been my own fault for not getting up in a tree and practicing aiming straight down because, you know, again, mule deer hunting and those, it was up and down, up and down. And it wasn't like shooting a, a whitetail out of blind. So that part right. was my own fault for not being prepared. Yeah. So what, what, what do you shoot for a bow then, Wayne? You know, I shoot a, a little older Matthews that I've got. It's a DRX or a DXT and, and uh, it's a, it, it is, it fits me so well that I just haven't got myself to change. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I shoot, uh, I shoot 435 grain arrows and I get 275 feet per second. So I'm right at that 70 foot pounds of energy. So I can kill anything with that. And it's super quiet. Like John mm-hmm. said, I think a bow is, it's, it's critical for your bow to be quiet because they're even at 300 feet per second, that's slow when it comes to an animal moving, they can still move and jump. Oh, and duck a string or whatever. Yeah, jump such, it, yeah. You know? But um, yeah, that's what I shoot. And, and uh, I've kind of always shot fixed blade broadheads. I'll shoot uh, mechanicals for turkeys. Uh, I was gonna, I tried some mechanicals this year that I was going to test out on doing some mule deer hunting. And I'll probably do that again this fall and see how that works. And, uh, and do that, that aspect of it. Um, yeah, and like John said, shooting from a tree stand compared to a blind, compared to spot and stock, and you know, it just takes some some little bit of uh, experience with it. I have a I put it in my head that I got to bend it in my waist yep. when I'm shooting downhill or uphill because that doesn't change your anchor point as much. And uh, and I still use a a trigger release for me. I just for me, the spot and stock, I, I, I don't know. I think I would. I lost my tumble over a I had to go back looking for it. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. I, I, even had, I took my jacket yeah. off and it came off with my jacket. That was the biggest fear about this, not being strapped on there. And sure, shit, I was uh, going back about a half a mile trying to find it. Thank goodness it was right where yeah. we parked the truck. You need to invent something for yeah. that, John. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and we used to shoot. When I first started shooting, we shot fingers and pins. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's oh, yeah. just what we shot. And I've, I've killed antelope and deer and mule deer with recurves uh, and all that. And and now with the releases, I started hunting with a release down to our river bottoms. And the one night walking out, I dropped my release. I got in my tree stand the next morning and I had no release. And sure enough, this nice buck comes down, red blood stain rack. Nice buck came down. 30 yards and I pulled up with my fingers and totally missed them. Yeah, it, it like, doesn't shit, work. That shit doesn't work. It doesn't, man. I tried it one time too. And I mean, I missed, yeah. I, I wasn't shooting that animal, but I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to fingers. Compl- yeah. Even going, like I said, from this release <laughs> to my other release, it's just a little bit different anchoring point. And it's like, yeah. you know, that's why I tell people it's hard to shoot somebody's bow. You, you got to be about the same. Yeah. You know, my brother and I could shoot them because we, you know, we're the same size and everything, but like I said, it's not like picking up a rifle where I can pick up Jamie's rifle or pick up your rifle yeah. and uh, yeah. even a left-handed rifle, and I'm going to kill that animal. Well, with a bow, it doesn't work. Sure. Well, I mean, bows are no, so – they, they got it dialed in so customized to people nowadays yeah. too, don't they? I mean, um, yeah. they, you, I mean, it's a big deal. You go to – like you say, you go down to Shields, man. They got the thing in there, and them guys immerse you for everything, and, yeah. you know – I got, I shoot crossbows, so I'm, you know, I'm, I suck compared to you guys, but back when I, when I did shoot, um, I should target shot a lot with, with bows. My, in fact, before I had a crossbow, I'd take my brother and I, he's a big Matthews guy. 
But, um, yeah, I, I was shocked. All I ever shot in my life was, like you say, the, the recurve with the finger, and then he'd come out, my wife and I met, and he, he had the, the trigger release and the pins and the little uh, hair things hanging from his string. I didn't know what the heck. Yeah, it's to make it quiet, and <laughs> then I shot that yeah. thing. I was like, holy shit, I can't believe how accurate I am with this thing. Yeah, it's like I said, they're fun. I mean, I got nothing. It's awesome. I well, think it's awesome. It, it's all changed. It's all, like I said, and, and that's what the thing is. It's enjoyable. I always tell people, I said, there's nothing. I was shooting um, earlier today and there's nothing that is more enjoyable than watching your arrow fly through the air in slow motion. And it seems like yeah. when everything breaks and you shoot the way you're supposed to, it just the magical mystical flight of the arrow as Ted Nugent will say, it's, yeah. something, it's something pretty <laughs> yeah. cool to see. So I had the Luminox yeah. and I, I actually love watching that Luminox fly through the air. The two deer that I got, yeah. I was like, that is freaking awesome. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to step away. You're talking about, yeah. Yep. Go for it. You do that, John. I'm going to hit a couple comments here until you get back here. So, uh, Gene said, uh, the bucks and four comment made me think of the armadillo. I think the female armadillo has quadruple offspring, maybe a correlation, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Brian says that's why it's called hunting. Shooting happens on at the range on the bench. That's right. Brian had said that same thing many times. Uh, Josh Patterson said, my boy loves to sit on a hill and glass. He also loves to walk and look for deer. Me too. He shot a spike with his mm -hmm. rifle youth tag during a regular season this past year. Then he got lucky enough to take an eight point with his bow, which was his first archery deer. He enjoys being outdoors and enjoys hunting. That's awesome, man. And he said here, right here, mm -hmm. his boy switched to a thumb release. He loves it. Likes the way, likes it way more than a wrist release. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. So, and here, here's how far we've came with, with hunting, at least for me anyway. When I first started bow hunting, uh, we still had Kmart in Bismarck. <laughs> and uh, so I went to Kmart to buy, because we had no sporting goods stores. So I went to Kmart to buy my first bow and they had bear, the bear whitetail had the four, um, got one. four <laughs> cables. Yeah, I got it. So here I buy this bow and I bring it home and I'm getting it set up and I, I pick it up out of the box and it's left-handed. Oh, like, no. What the hell? I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I took it back and got a right-handed bow, got it set up. And uh, that year, I believe I killed a five-point whitetail buck, which is the luckiest thing ever I have done. I have no idea how I did it. But, Perfect. Um, yeah, that, that was started with a whitetail hunter, yep. like a lot of guys. Do. I now you got a mule deer hunter. Yeah, that was my first, first <laughs> bow I got from Sioux Sporting Goods. I didn't know how much I'd enjoy, you know, bow hunting. So I bought that. And that was when I was 26 years old. Um, had two pins because it's as far as I could shoot was 40 yards. My target yeah. was a tied uh, detergent box full of sand. I was, <laughs> shooting, I was shooting thunderheads. And my first deer I shot was ended up being like 132-inch Pope and Young. And I was walking out to my tree stand and I stepped in a hole and I twisted my ankle and I couldn't go any further. So I sat down by a fence post and he came by me at 40 yards. And I mean, oh my I, had, God. I had no right to be shooting at him. And I, <laughs> I smoked him and Greg Loop Tech came out and helped me find him the next day. And I was like, I was like, I was hooked on bow hunting then. Yeah, so if somebody yeah. listen doesn't know where Sioux Sporting Goods is, it's just um, to the south of the what is the Bismarck City County building there. It's a parking lot now. Well, you know where Kohler's Jewelry Store is? <laughs> yeah, Kohler's. Yeah, right. Kohler's it is? Yep. Kohler's? It's, it was right next right. door to there. 
right? To the, to the West, <laughs> that, yeah. You know, back yeah. then when I was a kid, there was Shields was a hardware store or an Arrowhead, yeah. and that didn't come until Arrowhead later. Plaza. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, we would go to Sioux Sporting Goods, and they I can remember the guys that worked there, big Vince worked Yeah. There. Vince ended up working yeah. at Shields later in his career. But Doing he a golf the, thing there, yeah. Yep, he did all that. Um, and uh, that was, like I said, I would go there every day and hang out in the – you know, the hunting section, but it was, it yeah. was always fun. But you were talking, Jamie, yeah. talking I, about lighted knocks. Have you seen yeah. these? These, no. these, are, these are halos. Okay. They used, they used to be, um, gosh, they're Shucks. double take <laughs> archery. And they were glory knock, but glory knock was not a good knock. It was, it just didn't work, but they came out with this one. And I've tried them all. I've tried Illuminox. Um, I've been shooting um, uh, the Faradine ones. What are the, uh, those? Are I'm not going to lie to you. The only ones I really know of are Luminox. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then there's. Uh, uh, I'm uh, willing to switch though. Well, there's like I've tried every one of them, and I've I've the the latest packs of. I like uh, the green ones. I can see them better. Yep, and the Nocturnals. So I've shot Nocturnals okay. for the last five years. Um, had good luck with them, but it seems like the quality, I'll buy two packs and only half of them work. But the cool thing about this one, so it goes off. It's a plunger. So watch this. I'll stick it on my ring mm-hmm. and it goes off. Okay. So okay. now if I, if I want to, instead of having a, one of those. Bring it up tools, higher. I can't see what you're doing. A little higher. There you tools, go. Okay. Goofy little tools. I just put my, there's a little, there's a little button on there. Okay, bring it, it actually, up higher. Put it up there. Whoops, right there. There you go, right there. There's a little a little button in there, so that goes off. I can do it this way. Mm-hmm. So when it goes off, now if you want to shut it off, all you got to do is touch that little button and kind of push in. And yeah. It goes off. Hmm. No tool. And I've been shooting these for now like three weeks, four weeks. I've only had I had one break, but I don't know if I hit it. Um, or what happened, or if it was the one that was really tight going in my, one of my arrows was tight and I used a knock tool mm-hmm. and I turned on it. So I don't know if that, you know, screwed up the integrity, but I just like that there's no, and they're not a sponsor of mine or anything like that. I'm just one of those guys. If I find something good, I like to share it. And um, what brand is that again? It's called Halo Knock. Halo. And okay. the nice thing, you know, Wayne, you'll appreciate this is that they, um, I took it down to camera and I forgot I had it on my arrow. And I take my, I'm not a bow guru. I know how to shoot it and I can tune it a little bit, but I take it to camera. <laughs> he got it all set up and I said, just tune it with my arrow I have in there. And he sent me a text and he goes, what knock is that? He goes, I just tuned your bow with that knock on. And he goes, it's got the same, um, he goes, it's, it's so close to an X knock. Cause that's one of the problems with a lot of these knocks is that no. they're bigger, heavier. Right. This one's a little heavier. heavier, but the specs like going on your string and stuff. Cameron said it was the best one that he's ever had going on his string and off of his string. So if I can, good if I can impress Cameron, um, yeah. Yeah. I was, and then yeah. sure enough, like two weeks later, they're on their shelf in there and they put them on their program. I talked to Scott Winkles before he um, retired and he said that they put them on their program and probably going to be their number one knock now, just because they've, they've been shooting them for a couple of years and they really like them. And I talked to the guy that makes them, just out of curiosity, wanted to know, you know, some of the stuff about him. And cause I remember the name double take and he said it was glory knock, but they did a bad job, you know, with that knock, they redid everything. And he's even redoing it because he said, I just want it to be perfect. Cause he said, he's had a couple fa- failures and he doesn't like to have even a couple. 
Um, sure. But I just like the simplicity of it. And like I said, shooting knocks, lighted knocks. I buy enough so that I can shoot them on all my practice arrows. Yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah. I'm <laughs> my arrow fly. Well, I like how easy you yeah. turned it off because <laughs> I think it's the Luminox. Yeah. I got that hole in the side, and you got to, like, stick your yeah. knife in there and pop yep. that sucker back. Yep, that's the nocturnal ones yep. that I just showed you these. And, and like okay. I said, they're good knocks, but they're just bigger, a bigger um, – I don't know if they – I think they weigh a little bit more. But, again, uh, you know, they're all good to shoot, but it, and they're all about the same price. It's just, like I said, I like to try something new, and I do like the idea. This one's a multi-fit, so they make a micro-diameter. It goes in some of the small, I think, the four millimeters. This mm -hmm. one's got the sleeves that it will go into, you know, most of the um, the – the 0.204s, the 0.233s, the 244s, um, 246. So it's an X knock, H knock, S knock, and a GT knock. So um, they cover the kind of the gamut without having to buy a bunch of different knocks. And so they're about the same weight as the other knock or so, so that you're not I, changing your front of center and such on that? You know, I wanted to say that they – you know, they're all going to be heavier because they got the battery in them stuff. But I don't think they were, from what camera was saying, just these specs on them were way closer to like an X-Knock. Because that's what mm -hmm. I shoot is an X-Knock. And these just automatically go into the X-Knock shaft, which there's, sure. on this one, there's no insert or anything like that. Good. Yeah. But like I said, I, again, I, I love, I like, I, you know, bow hunters, we, we try everything. It's like. If it says yeah, it's going to yeah. do this, I believe it, you know, and I'm, I'm going to buy it. I say, I'll buy anything once, you know. Right. You got to you gotta try it. Well, I mean, that sounds like, I mean, do they make them for crossbows too, or am I left and out I, in the I dark there with these guys? No, I'm super, uh, super I would think so. I thought they did. You know, I thought it was like they were made where you can use them on crossbows. I'll double check for you. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to have you guys back on later this year, John. Because I remember when Clay and I had you on talking um, bull hunting numbers of crossbows. I did see a few articles where they are up in the harvest big time with the crossbows. Yeah, I, to be. I you know I think that when we talked about it before, I'm not even so worried about the the harvest. It is, but the number of guys and what they've seen, like in Kansas and places like that, is that. Once they make crossbows, it just adds more hunters. And if you add, we add more hunters, see, then you got less chances to draw. Yeah, I mean, and, I you know what my feeling was, but I, after I read a few I things, knew. it actually kind of turned me back to way away from the way I was thinking. Yeah, back well, towards the more. It's it's a it's one of those deals that I have nothing against. I I think that one of the biggest uh, tragedies or is Scott. You know, Scott Lang is 75 years old, 76 years old. He's bull hunted his whole life. They would not give him a crossbow permit. I mean, that's so ridiculous. The doctor gave it to him, but the game and fish turned him down and said, well, there's nothing wrong with your shoulders. He's like, I'm 75 years old. I, ha I can barely pull my bow back. I can't walk anymore. I got I to gotta drive around on a scooter. They go, well, that doesn't qualify. And I would like to see a law change it. Yeah. If, you're if you're 75 years yeah. old, you should be grandfathered into a crossbow. It's not like a guy that's 75 years old who has yeah. never used a crossbow is going to go buy one and buy a tag. Because, and I just feel bad for some of these guys. And it's, yeah. it's no different. If you got a, you know, I've got bad shoulders, but I've been able to keep my shoulders in good enough shape that I can still draw a bow. But, for someone that can't draw a bow back, you know, Jason did it that one year. He he had such bad arthritis in his 
and his arms and stuff like that. When he went to Wyoming, you can use one legally. Yeah. And he, I don't think it was any less fun for him to shoot it with his crossbow. He, he got to hunt. So yeah, um, I see both sides of it. Yeah. Do you, now do you guys feel that once you get to a crossbow level, the success rate of a crossbow is going to make a difference in how many tags are going to be put out for archery tags? Because right now it's just across the board. Anybody can get them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a management tool, Will the game and fish department say, you know what, your success rate's too high. We got to cut you back on tags, or we got to make a separate season for it, or whatever. What do you foresee going down the road? Go ahead, John. I think that we got some changes coming down the road. I mean, we, we have been devastated by EHD, and yeah. I'm going to clarify that EHD, not CWD. <laughs> yeah. EHD has devastated um, some of the populations along the river. Way Last, worse than CWD. Yeah. Yeah. Well, CWD, again, I'm, I'm not a biologist, but none of us have found a dead deer. There's no dead deer. It's right. not changing the landscape. No matter what they want to say, no matter how much they want to say, it's not changing anything on our landscape. And nor has, I don't feel, again, I'll get ripped for this, but Colorado's had it for 60 years. It's not changing Colorado's, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, nope. Wisconsin has got the highest deer population they've ever had, ever. And they tried to wipe out their population of deer by sharpshooters, you know, 10 years ago, shooting, mm -hmm. I don't know how many tens of thousands of deer, and they still got CWD at a high prevalence. But the whitetail, um, just because they have a baby doesn't mean it has CWD. They're not dying with it in two years. So, again, I'm not a biologist, mm -hmm. but I, I, I don't think that's a, that big a deal. But, again, we had 40,000 deer die by starvation in North Dakota. That's yeah. That is yeah. absolute sin because that is something we can prevent. And yep. the game fish can help with that. Um, I'm not talking about them going and dumping corn, but we could be paying ranchers and farmers. The deer always um, uh, winter in the same areas every year. Almost, yeah. almost I can almost guarantee Oh, it. for sure. For so sure. Go to, those, mm -hmm. go to those ranchers and farmers, and you may have to pay $100,000, but you're going to pay $100,000 to keep – 20,000 deer alive. And then, the, you know, the next year, if they don't have the deer problem, the deer farmer could go in there in the spring and maybe combat it and, you know, pay some of it back or do whatever. But there's, I think there's programs we could do to help our population. But right now with our deer population, the way it is, um, I think Wayne, that we definitely need to make some changes in the badlands for the, the mule deer. I think there's too many people yep. coming from yep. East. I think there's too many people coming. I, I'm not going to blame it on out of staters because we don't have that many out-of-staters, mm -hmm. even though guys want to blame it on them. But when if we, mm -hmm. if we lost 40,000 deer out east... That's so, fun to bitch about them guys coming right. in here. But. <laughs> yeah, the majority of the deer died east, I would say. Yeah. Just because of cover. At our ranch, we didn't lose that many. Because we had hills and coolies and all that stuff. So I mean, That makes people, a difference for sure. Yeah, those people are yeah. going to come west, so I think there's going to have to be a change there. And I think Wayne, yeah. the, the biggest fear for you and I and all of us is that one tag system. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, and we have to realize if we lose we'll get, we'll get the one tag, the two tag system, you will never get it yeah. back. We have to be very, very adamant about keeping our two tag system. Yeah. Whether whether guys don't want to bow hunt or 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 they do, I mean, let's keep that two tag and let's make it that option for people. Right. And, and, you know, being on this committee from the game and fish department, you know, we have our next meeting coming up uh, this next month and I'm still going through this, 
this survey and nitpicking it and bringing up my comments of what where which direction I think we should go and and bring up suggestions and and uh, you know there there's the badlands and there's just uh, the whole bow hunting in general it's hunting pressure in general in certain areas oh, yeah. and I just think that there has to be so much more landowner hunter game and fish department relationships oh, built so much more than they have right now and they got to continue right. to build it because of, to get where we need to be we need the landowners we need hunters working together yeah. I, I honestly feel right now this is just a personal and you can both chime in on this i think the relationship between the landowners and the game and fish and and just in general the 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 whole attitude towards the game and fish right now is probably at its lowest it's ever been yeah oh i agree it is i mean everybody i know barks about them and and, and again I'm here to say that I know their job is extremely difficult. Right. I'm not bashing them, but I think that there's things that we could do better. And I always tell people, I said, you know, I feel that they work for me. I think they work for you. They work for all of us. So if I have a question or a concern, I should be able to bring it up and it should be somehow addressed. And I think that when you talk about, when we talk about the baiting issue and the, um, the one tag, if they had, to me, if they'd have gone about it and said, you know what, because of baiting, our success rate is at 60%. So mm-hmm. our deer numbers are down. If we want to keep a two-tag system, we need to get rid of baiting. That would have gone over way better than saying that CWD, yeah. which I don't think people are going to believe them on. Um, right. You know. So I think that, yeah. I think that there's there's just some small things we could do. As and it's not just them; it's the hunters too, because we bitch and complain about them. And we jump on them, you know. And it's, <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're out there doing their job. You know, I saw my my warden, Courtney, and she's a wonderful lady. And she's out there protecting our resources and doing her job. And, you know, it's a scary time right now. You, you Your chances of pulling up on a poacher and them shooting back at you nowadays are a hell of a lot more than it used to be. So, yeah. Um, well, know. And, and, you know, and I, I agree with you, John. And I think that's that's why in my my perspective that's why i want to work with the game and fish department because if we don't work our story tell our story and get to where we need to be i mean we can't let them do it on their own because they're going to make the wrong decisions from what's out in the field and we can't let our we're fortunate that our game and fish department is not a commissioner-based game and fish department because then it gets political and you know i don't know if you guys recognize in washington state what's happened they got Mm -hmm. a liberal uh, governor there and he appointed new commissioners and those commissioners on the game game and fish department their their attitudes toward hunting is we don't want to use hunting as a management tool so they're trying to to relegate hunting as very a minor piece we're already a very minor very low percentage of the population. We're like the hunters are five percent of the of the population. So we're already at a disadvantage. Right. So we have to make sure that we're working with these game and fish departments and working to make it better, not have some commissioner come in and and dictate what they're going to do without us having any say like they are in some of these states, yeah. Washington, Colorado, and some yeah. of these areas, you know. Right. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and again, you know, Wayne, who, who is all on that board of yours? That Who's all there? Because that's um, one of the things my complaint is, I just want to hear who you, tell me who's all on it, for what organizations or what. Yeah, uh, Brock Wall from the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, uh, Daryl uh, Belisle, and actually Steve Borowski has been filling in for him from the North Dakota Boners Association. And then uh, um, a Bo Wistness, he is a, he's the advisory board um, member from out west. He's from the Keene area. 
you know, and then myself as a, as a, a outdoors person and ambassador for Pope and Young and also for, uh, you know, I practically live out in the Badlands. I work with a lot of the ranchers. I know tons of people out there and I talk to them on a regular basis. So, um, yeah, that's who's on the committee. Then there's several. There's one, two, three, four, four or five other members of the Game and Fish Department that are on there. Bruce Stillings yeah. and Casey Anderson and and so, William Hasse and and uh, yeah. So here here's here's my dilemma. So I'm I'm and again I I get crucified on some of these things, but I don't care. It's like so <laughs> North Dakota Bull Hunters Association I think is a good a good choice, but I think that North Dakota Bull Hunters Association has made a couple mistakes. And in today's world, it's really easy to send a, a poll out and have have your opinion as the North Dakota Bow Hunters Association go in line with what who you're representing because they're hired by us in this group. I mean, we pay our our dues and we elect officials yep. no different than our government, and they're supposed to work mm -hmm. for their constituents. So I don't like the idea of them making decisions based on what they feel. That's mm -hmm. just, uh, and that's not a, I'm not complaining about any certain one of them, any way, shape or form, but I think right. that we could have sent a poll out. Um, as far as um, backcountry hunters and angler, um, maybe a great organization. I see you smirking there and Brockwall. Um, yeah, he's probably not my favorite kid on the block, but you know, he's got a passion. Mm -hmm. I just told him his passion. He just needs to learn to control it a little bit because he gets a little bit too passionate. Um, but again, what are they bringing to the table for North Dakota? North Dakota is 96% private land. So why do we have an organization that does not represent private land whatsoever? Um, and why don't we have six ranchers and farmers on there? Because North Dakota is 91% private, 91% of all white-tailed deer are shot on private land in the whole United States. And I think that's a mistake that the Game of Fish makes is why isn't there more representation of the people that are allowing everybody to get to hunt these deer yeah um, I, I agree yeah yeah I, I agree and i think that's why they brought in bo wistis because he's a rancher from out west yep. and he understands and he's a good communicator out there as as i am as well because we ranch we help ranch out yeah in the out west in a lot of places and that's where i feel i have an advantage of this because i don't i don't have an agenda i don't have some backing of some organization or some right. And some club group or whatever and that's where yeah. i look at as overall and absolutely that's, that's where i feel yeah you got to have those type of because, people there because everybody's got an agenda i mean you know again and you know and we all do i mean I, yeah. we, we all want to see what we believe in but again right. you when you have an organization or you have a national organization that's funded by whether you want to call it liberals or conservatives mm -hmm. or whoever you have an agenda and you're getting it pushed by that national base. And again, if it has nothing to do with North Dakota, and again, backcountry hunters and angler may not be a bad organization in the state of Utah where they have 9 billion acres of public land. Yeah. But North right. Dakota, we don't have, you know, it's not that big of a, you know, it's like, so not saying that it can't be on the board, but again, look at the people that, a little bit better re, uh, representation of the yeah. the whole pizza, the whole picture, the whole yeah. pie. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you have to watch what you do because if you, like I said, if you change things, you can't get some of this stuff back. No. So we have to be very careful. And I think some some guys are thinking, well, you know, let's go to a one tag system, let's go to unitized systems, let's let's do certain things. And I brought up a lot of suggestions early on with all this, 
and we look at all this and it's like, okay, maybe this isn't going to work what I first suggested, or maybe this will work. And now we can start, you know, disseminating what's going to be best. And, and hopefully we can come up with a good solution that's not going to affect the residents, at least not initially, and, and see what we can do. And maybe it's starting on the non-resident piece. And I think that's where I would be focused on more so and start with something like that before you start hammering the residents on changing a lot of the systems. See if that makes a difference. And uh, then maybe down the road, you have to do something. But a big change all at once is not going to be good either. No. And like you said, again, I I feel for the, the game of fish because they have to make some, you know, tough, tough decisions. But again, I think that we should we should have a bigger say in some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and again, someone goes, well, you're not a biologist. Well, you know what? I don't have a biology degree, but I've said this before. I would say that the odds of Wayne or myself or whatever spending as much time or more time than most biologists get a chance to spend in the outdoors. Um, again, I don't have to have a science degree to tell you what kind of health my herd. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got eyes exactly. on it way more than you got eyes on the deer way and, more than and, a lot of these. I'm guys not do. taking yeah. anything away from a biologist by whatsoever, but our world has changed. And I, I think that some of the stuff has gotten so political that um, it, it's it's hard to keep your finger on it. And it's not a lot of fun mm -hmm. to have to even get in the middle of it because, you know, I say one thing and I get just hammered. I mean, I've been put on national talk forums and belittled and you know all that stuff and i'm like because i have an opinion and that's sad because it's like that's what makes this world go around is that i have never belittled anybody for having an opinion you know it's like that's your choice i just don't agree with it you know yeah. but i'm not gonna yell at you and i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna call yeah. you out on national tv or whatever and say Wayne Muth is full of shit. I don't believe a word. He's <laughs> well, everything gets everybody's opinion gets blown out of proportion oh, nowadays. It does. Yeah. It's like we we can't even have a conversation anymore without getting mad. It's like when we had a conversation yeah. about crossbows, I wasn't yeah. yelling at you. You weren't yelling at me. Right. And what happened? <laughs> we came up with you know later on. We did some research, and you have a different opinion. And again, yeah. mine doesn't yeah. one way or another. It's just trying to put the facts out there so people have a chance yeah. to, to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. That's... Well, I'll tell you what, guys, I hate to end it, but we're at about an hour 40 here. Okay. And uh, I, I'm, I'm serious. Let's let's come back later this summer here, maybe this spring, and let's talk some uh, deer numbers. And, Wayne, we'll have that, you have that meeting coming up. Maybe give us a little yeah. more information on you that. Bet. And, you bet. And uh, what we come up with. And I'll, I'll, I'll uh, bring them articles up. John, we'll talk um, crossbow numbers and then uh, yeah. and the harvest and that. Because, like I said, yeah. I've seen a few of those. And I was like, yeah. Looks like looks like they're taking more, and uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. We'll keep our fingers crossed for some rain here, right, this spring, because yeah, yeah. yeah right now it would be good. Last year, yeah. Hey, Wayne, hey, quick, quick question for you: Do they have any? Do you guys have any meeting notes or anything that go with those meetings that they share with the public? Um, not at this point that I'm aware of. Okay, I know that some of the guys have been kind of taking notes. At least I do. We kind of go over the, we just went over the survey that they got back and we all got a copy of it. Mm -hmm. And then we're supposed to review the survey. It's like, I don't know, 25 pages. And uh, it's it's really in, in depth because they, they sent them out directly to the landowners themselves and those who hunt and those who don't hunt. So they got the survey back from them and what they're That's seeing. Cool. And I mean, you could tell that there's some subjectivity in there because there's sometimes not facts that can lead up to what they're, they're right. saying is happening or what they feel. So you can filter through some of that. 
So I'm starting to get my list of things that's saying, okay, this this is where I'm seeing it. This is where I'm seeing it. This would be my recommendations and such. So, but uh, we'll update everybody. It'll be good. Yeah, be well, good. I appreciate you, you know, being on there. And everybody, even Brock Wall, uh, yeah, whoever. I mean, you know, it's nice that they're taking the time to try to figure things out for us. Yeah. And we had like a four-hour meeting last time. <laughs> it's like it's yeah. not something you just sit down and in a half hour you go over this stuff. It's it's a lot of discussion. They bring in uh, they brought in the uh, um, one of the guys from the survey team or who who got the survey out of the University of Wyoming who did it for us. I believe is where it came from. So yeah, it was it's really in depth and it's game and fish departments is really looking to do the right thing. I, yeah, I truly I, believe I, that. I believe they they you know, tried to. Yeah. Well, like I said, we'll we'll come back. I'm looking forward to hearing what uh, what what comes down yeah. with this, Wayne. And hey, Rich, I see you commented, buddy. Appreciate you coming in late. Brian, he said he enjoyed the show. Josh said great show. Appreciate you guys all tuning in. And yeah. uh, don't forget Friday at eight fifteen a.m. Central. You're gonna get. Uh, well, Clay's not gonna be there. He's still gonna be pig hunting. But but uh, Mike uh, Mikey D is gonna be on with Todd Mitchell at on uh, Mitchell in the morning, eight fifteen till nine. Talking, uh, talking some Second Amendment stuff there, on, like he does every Friday, him and Clay. And, of course, next Wednesday, Guns, Guns in the 701 will be back on. Clay will be there in a couple weeks from now. Um, it might be it might be bow hunting again. I'm not sure. I still got my buddy. I know him and his daughter come to your camp, John Brad Veith, and his yes. daughter. Yeah. He's a, he's, they're, they're, he's a, he's a great Great guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely gonna get Brad on and hopefully his daughter and talk some, some bow hunting and youth bow hunting and and and, uh, and she's into the big uh, what are they Anishua? You guys do the, the shooting? shooting. Yeah, the and Anishua, and then she does like that. The, the, they have different leagues. I forget the name of the organization, yep. but they've done well. Yeah, yep. I'm gonna have her on, and uh, I got and I got my buddy Tyson. He wants to come back on. We want to talk mm -hmm. some deer, some deer sheds, because of course the muleys haven't dropped theirs yet, and. And most guys I know are in mule deer country. So as far as whitetails go, eh, yeah. you know, I, but I got, I got some ideas here coming up and definitely going to have you guys back on. I really appreciate you guys coming on Thank here. You. Yeah, it, it was, it was fun. I enjoyed doing this kind of stuff. We'll get you back on. And of course, uh, like I said, Friday, Mitchell in the morning, next Wednesday, guns in the 701. Clay will be back. I'm sure I'll have an update on the, on the pig hunting. And I go to all our social media. We're on pretty much everything now. I guess I'm on TikTok. I'm going to delete that. I I don't do much on TikTok. I, Shelby said it's kind of a young person's thing in their 20s, and I agree with her when she said that on Scott's show. I don't get on there much. I get videos from people all the time, but eh, I'm more of an old fuddy-duddy Facebook, <laughs> YouTube kind of guy. Yeah. So, and we got our website. That's Check that is. out or, or, on, or on X. I got, I'm going to keep the one on X because they actually let you say whatever the hell you want on there and post what you want pretty mm -hmm. much. So, but All there right, guys. Hey. Man, thanks a lot. Yep, hey, thanks a lot. Thanks, Jim. Yep. Thanks, Jamie, for asking yep, us. Appreciate, appreciate it. both of you guys. Anytime, anytime you guys want to come back on, let me know. We'll, we'll get her done. So, I always love talking. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, you bet. give us a call, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Me too. Let us, let us know, man. We'll. Yeah, come on. sounds good, guys. Okay. Appreciate you coming on once again. Everybody, have a good one. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Sounds good. Thank you.